What's going on, Drinking Buddies? Brand new podcast. But before we get into it this week, we have some technical difficulties on this episode. There will be no video version this week. Unfortunately, as you'll hear throughout the recording, we're having some connection issues and it caused the video not to sync properly with the audio. It was a giant mess. So there is no video version this week. There is some distortion throughout the audio version. I apologize for that. So I'm not going to bore you with ads this week. We're going to get you right into the show with my friend Jimmy Broadway. We talk film. We talk adult film. We talk a little political stuff. It's good to sit down with Jimmy. It's been a while. He's relocated to Vegas with the rest of the Severe Sex Films crew. Sit back, relax, pop a cold one, and enjoy, drinking buddies. How the hell are you? Oh, I'm doing as well as possible uh, with everything going on in the world these days. And yourself? I'm doing much of the same. I'm in my very comfortable jail cell. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it takes me back to the, the, the stories about, like, mob in prison. When, yes, they were technically imprisoned, but yet they were making these you know, six course meals and they were getting cases of liquor brought in and had, you know, oriental rugs and fine furniture. And it's kind of like that. Uh, yeah. Only not cooking as much Italian. Uh, we're actually, yeah, cause we're here in Vegas. So it's a bit warm doing a lot more uh, summer fair. Nice. Nice. Are you guys enjoying Vegas? Cause I know we were up until the, the pandemic. Uh, then, you know, the, the things that made it the most enjoyable kind of went away. Uh, although having a pool here stayed and that helped us quite a bit get through getting through the summer and just being able because when you're working at home constantly, your day, you, you need to find a way to end your day. Otherwise, you just like continuously roll work into night and into early morning. And um, so growing up, my grandparents always had cocktail hour. And they, at the end of the day, they would sit on the patio or sit by the pool or sit in the living room, depending on the weather. And yeah, grandpa would have a, a whiskey and grandma would have a gin and tonic and they would sit there and relax. And that would be the end of their day. So we started doing that here and uh, just, sitting in the pool, relaxing, having a cocktail, and ending our day. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That sounds really nice. I'm really envious of you on the pool front because I'm still... We, we've decided if, that we were never going to have a house here in Vegas without a pool. It's, it's not a luxury. It is a necessity. Because when it's 116 degrees out there, you need it. Definitely. Oh, definitely. The place I was at in Vegas, my complex technically had a pool, but it was like clear across the complex, so I just never used it. 
<laughs> Too much effort. Yeah, it's just like, oh man, I would have to like endure the heat to get all the you know walk the complex to get over there. And it's like, nah, I'll just stay inside the, in the air conditioning. Yeah, it's like you have to put on shoes. I mean, having your own pool, you basically you could walk barefoot from the back door into the water. Exactly. You don't even have to put on clothes if you don't want. It's a whole nother thing when you're like, I gotta like get all my stuff, like put, have some semblance of clothing on, walk across the complex. Then have to maybe share it with some asshole neighbor. Mm-hmm. Somebody's loud kids. Exactly. And then when they get out of the pool, like, dry yourself off, put your clothes back on. Not the same. If I were... It, become, it becomes work then. Exactly. Exactly. And plus, the community pools are... They tend to frown on you bringing alcohol to the pool. No, there are workarounds for that, but... I might know. I might, I might be aware of the workarounds, but it's still like the adult sippy cup. Exactly. Exactly. But it's still the like, oh, I, I'm a goddamn adult. I don't want to have to like hide my alcohol. Like I just want to go out and relax. Yeah. I mean, sneaking, sneaking liquor went out in college. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's part of, of like making it to adulthood is the fact that you can drink comfortably. Exactly. And plus, the community pool is also not much fun if, like, you know, you're entertaining guests and you want to, you know, get a little wild. Yeah, I can see where they would frown on that. They might. They might. You know, the last thing you want is my neighbor to, you know, see my penis. Like, oh, whoops, my bad. My bad. (laughs) Get a complaint to the homeowner. On that note. Were you guys able to make use of the pool for any content before? Uh, it's it's protected, but it's not really isolated. Mm. So we, we use it for some introduction stuff. Um, and we've done some stuff for our loyal fans out there just kind of sitting around. As far as actually shooting a scene, we don't want to draw that much attention to us because technically... Uh, either one of our neighbors could, if they really made an effort, see in. And I, we're, we're not as concerned with the activity as we are with the fact that we're shooting the activity, and we really don't want them to know that we're shooting here. No, that makes sense, especially with the still semi-quasi-legal nature of shooting pornography in Nevada. Well, plus it's a rental. Oh. So... We don't want, you know, if word gets back to the landlord that, hey, you're shooting in the home, they might frown on that. Yeah, yeah. That's a damn shame in this day and age. It's the privacy of your own home that you have a lease on with consenting adults. Like, they really should, they really should have no say in such things, but I know that in the real world they do. Well, it's again, it's the the quasi-legality of what you're doing to do they really want to be hosting something that's potentially illegal? Yeah. And does, you know, what liability does that put on them? I'm honestly amazed that Nevada hasn't passed actual legislation about shooting in the state yet since so so much of the industry is there now. Oh, but I mean, do you really need to get specific about adult? They've got, Various, you know, film ordinances and, you know, rules for filming. 
Well, why why not just have those apply to whatever the content is, whether it's, you know, a comedy, a drama, an adult movie? Well, because you put them all in the same rules. In an ideal world, yes. But because of Nevada doesn't have it specifically allowing it or California State Supreme Court ruling that allows for pornography, you could still run afoul, afoul of being a producer and be charged with pandering by the letter of the law. Now, I know Nevada's not enforcing that crap, thankfully, but if the you know, local government were to change and all of a sudden you get someone, some conservative who wants to crack down on it without actual laws protecting the industry, it could be real bad. I've spoken to a couple of attorneys about that, uh, not specific to Nevada, but just other states in general, and the odds of it happening are very slim. Because you're there, it would be a big gamble for any state attorney that wanted to do it. Because right now, it's a gray area. If they take it to court and lose, then it's not a gray area. It's officially established law that it's legal. So, do they really want to be state number three, where it's established? You know, legally that you can shoot porn there. Yeah, you don't know, but every uh, I think it was a couple of years ago. There was definitely a content like a solo content creator in Central Florida who got charged. So occasionally you will get either district attorneys or state attorneys who do want to make that make that mess. It, yeah, I, I can see that in some. There's certain places: Central Florida, Utah. Uh, just you, you kind of have to f- have a feel for the local climate, uh, and in you know the case of Nevada, I don't think it's something that's really a priority for them. No, if on, in all honesty, the people that as messed up it would be who might make a giant stink about it are the brothel operators, because since they're not allowed to operate in Clark County, they may get just a bug up their ass like, oh, we can't peddle our wares in Clark County. Neither can you. Yeah, but I, I do they really want to risk taking off all their employees? Hopefully not. Because if, if they weren't doing it before the pandemic, pretty much every woman working in a brothel is now working it on online some, in some fashion. Well, and that becomes another interesting situation where it's like, if you're performing with your partner, there's no money being exchanged. There's a, you know, definitely a difference between that and a typical production where like parties are being paid checks. I'm sure. Right. But I'm not a lawyer, so don't, I have no idea. <laughs> yes. We probably shouldn't talk law because neither one of us is a lawyer. No. Although I have played one on camera. Nope, I have not played a lawyer on camera. <laughs> but you could cast me. I will happily play a lawyer on camera. Yes. The, the one that I I remember specifically was uh, Bonnie Rotten's parody of Cape Fear. I, I played an attorney in that one. That's awesome. And that was a lot of fun. Yeah. I, that is one thing, like, I'm, I'm part of what I'm waiting for for this pandemic to be over is like, bigger productions to start up again to you know 
actually have some meat and potato rolls out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for, for us, you know, last year we kind of took the year off just because of the move and getting established. And after a year here, we'd you know, built up some savings and, you know, paid off some things. And we're in a position where we're look, really looking forward to doing feature in the summer. And that all went away and we spent most of the money we were spent on the feature just paying bills during the pandemic. That sucks. Oh, yeah. So, but I mean, then again, we are, we also couldn't gather enough people to do a, a feature the way we wanted to do it. Uh, although I hear Joanna and Small Hands did an amazing one with just the two of them that I'm really looking forward to seeing. Yeah, I'm looking forward to checking that out too. That's also the exception, not the rule. There's so many people that are not right. able to do anything but do OnlyFans content or do solo content. Mm-hmm. and Or just don't have the skill set to make a feature on their own. So do you guys have any big plans on stuff you want to do the minute you know, it's safe to do so? Uh, I mean, we're, we're still trying to figure out when that's going to be. Uh, we have We are back shooting. Uh, we started with our perversion punishment line because that's fairly simple, straightforward. You know, we had some existing content that we put into that. Uh, after that, uh, is the next installment in our fetish star showcase line. Uh, this one will feature the amazing Alora Jensen. I don't know if you met her yet, but she is fantastic. And- I met Alora in passing at some point. I can't remember when it's probably at one of the conventions in passing. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't actually know her, know her. Just an amazing human being and so much fun to work with and such a great performer and a great person. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Any concerns with COVID with shooting already? Like, Oh, I mean, no more so than just normal life. Uh, I mean, the odds of, of catching, you're gonna, probably going to get it. If, if you're going to get it, you're going to get it somewhere. And short of just sealing yourself in the house and never interacting with anybody and never leaving and like leaving your groceries out on the doorstep for three days until they're safe to bring inside. That's pretty much the only way you're not going to get it. If you're going to get it, you just have to be careful. We we test regularly. I've, I've been tested 19 times now. I hope not up the nostril every time. Uh, only one nostril. Uh, to be honest, I actually prefer the nostril. Really? Uh, it might've been the person doing it, but it, it just was a lot less irritating than some of the throat swabs that I've gotten where it says, here, let me take this stick and stab you in the back of the neck from the inside. Fair enough. Fair. I've only gotten one test so far. Cause I've been pretty good about isolating for most of this. And LA mm-hmm. County is doing like just mouth swabs. Yeah. So the one test I got was just like, and in the container. So that was not unpleasant yeah. at all. But yeah, like I've I've had strep before. Like the Q-tip down the throat is the ugh, the worst, the worst. Yeah. Especially because I remember last time I had 
had strep symptoms. They were not gentle at all. Because I was just kind of like, ah. (laughs) It all depends on who's administering it, too. It's like some of them have been really like relaxed and gentle and some of them, like I said, it's, you're getting stabbed in the throat from the inside. Yeah. That does not sound pleasant. And but it's what we got to do if we want to, you know, be safe. Yeah. Especially with the unfortunate That's true. situation of like, you know, people in the business not being able to qualify for PPP loans, which is garbage. Well, I mean, in our case, we can't qualify because we can't be unemployed. We're incorporated. So we're and continue to be employees of the corporation. And if we stop doing that, then the corporation stops. And that's a whole nother pile of headache that you just don't want to deal with. Oh, for sure. But the payroll loans that were going to small businesses, like, People in the adult entertainment industry just couldn't qualify for because of existing SBA policy. Uh, Or if they possibly could have, by the time their application got there, the money was gone. Yeah. Places like Shake Shack got qualified for millions of dollars because Shake Shack's a small business. Don't get me me started on the companies that actually got money out of the government during this whole thing. Small businesses. Yes. Well, it, and it's it's not even that. Because, yeah, some of these are, are larger businesses. But if it's what they needed to keep their people on the payroll, then I'm okay with them getting the money. Because the money is going through them to the people that actually need it. it it's when you get companies that are very flush with cash and they're just piling this on top of that. You know, when they obviously do not need the money at all, that's where I have a problem. Yeah. I, I understand the need to protect like the airlines, but I'm also really, really not sympathetic to the airlines. Like, wait a minute, do you guys need a bailout? Don't you guys make record profits every year? Usually on our bag mm-hmm. fees and other such things. Yeah. Why do you need a bailout now? And especially if they don't have any legislation where it's like, oh, hey, the CEOs don't have to forego their bonuses or something like that. Because that's what happened with the damn bank bailouts. It's like, oh, hey, we bailed out all the banks in 08 and uh, the executives were getting record bonuses. Yeah, exactly. I mean... If you're going to do that, then then all the executives, not just the CEOs, but the, the executives, because you've got CFOs and COOs and, and you know department head, vice president types that are making very comfortable livings. But, you know, if you're going to take in money on a bailout, then everybody gets knocked down to a living wage. You know, it may be a, a, a better than living wage, but not a million dollar bonus and not, you know, three quarters of a million a year. Yeah. There there should be a cap. There should be a cap on everybody's salary from any company that takes government assistance. Exactly. You know, whether that's, you know, 
a quarter million or whatever. And they, they say, well, we need this to, you know, attract the, you know, good executives. It's like, no, because if they were good executives, they wouldn't be taking a bailout. Exactly. It's like, it's okay that we as individuals, if we do collect unemployment, I could be making six figures. I could be making a million a year. If I filed for unemployment in California, my max is like 400 and change. Right. Yeah. Like I, my, my income is going way down because I'm taking the government bailout. How come? Because you're in a corporate structure, you can still make giant money and take that bailout. We get all political. And if they don't want to take the pay, yeah. And if they don't want to take the pay cut, then, then make it a loan. Yeah. Say, okay, yeah, you can, you can keep taking this money, but this isn't a bailout. It's a loan. And it's got to be paid back. And it's got to be paid back with interest. And it's got to be paid back within this time frame. And that's how they get to keep the bonuses. Well, and on top of it, you need to make it like a student loan where they can't bankruptcy out of it. If you're going to put that garbage on 18-year-olds, you better put that garbage on people that have MBAs. I'm not, I was never conservative by any stretch of the imagination, but like this pandemic has definitely shifted me a bit more liberal. I mean, I, I've been conservative in certain areas, but I think you can be conservative and still be in favor of like a baseline. It's like, you know, nobody should do, you know, do without healthcare. And that's come, you can be quite conservative and still be in favor of universal health care. Because when you think about it, if the person next to you is healthy, that's a better chance of you staying healthy. If the person bagging your, your groceries and, and, you know, making your dinner is, you know, so sick, they should be in bed, but can't because they can't get medical care. Then the odds of them getting you sick are fairly large. Well, and on a macro level, if you don't have employees that you have to cover because they're sick all the time, your business is going to run better. Exactly. Helps capitalism too. Like, oh, hey, because mm-hmm. how many people are not getting preventative care because they can't afford it? And, and how many people are getting expensive medical care company benefits program because they didn't get, weren't able to get the preventative care that could have nipped that problem very early on and kept the cost of it way down. Yeah. Or how many employees are you losing because they have to, you know, quit their job so to stay home with a sick relative. A family member who lived in the UK made a point to me a couple of years ago that I'd never thought of having your healthcare tied to your employer hurts entrepreneurship too. Because if you have a family that you are the person who provides health care for, you can't branch out and start your own business because you have right. to keep getting that health care. So you're potentially hurting people's upward mobility as well. Okay. Good time. Next hot button topic. Right. <laughs> Good times. Now that everyone's you know screaming in the comments about like that just topic of conversation. Wait a second. I thought this was a porn podcast. What's going on here? I thought there was pornography and comedy. What the fuck? What the hell are you doing, Matt? Matt's got too much time in his apartment by himself. Uh, is what's happening. So, so I'm looking behind your head and I see a green screen. What does that become when this actually becomes the Arab, the arable show? Uh, for right now, a green screen. That green screen is there for uh, my Twitch broadcasts. 
Oh, okay. I, it was just, it's the chair because I just like the color green. And... Well, it's literally me being too lazy to break down my set from when I'm streaming. And instead of, I may put something there. This is actually the first episode I've done since I got this green screen. Because otherwise, it's just the, you know, you'd have a shot of my dining area where we record in person. Like this? Yep. <laughs> yep, you'd have that shot with a little bit of the artwork and my piled up gear in the corner. And I miss your artwork. You've got a, a good art collection there. That is mostly the roommates. I wish I had that kind of taste. The movie posters I, are I think, you, I think you need to add this one. What's that one? I see Mickey. What else we got there? That is the black-white version of the infamous Disney orgy. Oh, that's awesome. And for those who aren't aware of the Disney orgy, let me cut back to a shot that isn't wiggling all over the place while I put this back together. <laughs> um, it was actually drawn by a bunch of Disney artists in their off time as kind of an FU to Walt and the conditions at the Disney Corporation. And so, I mean, when you look at it and see, you see Mickey there, you see, you know, Pluto and Snow White and Cinderella and Tinkerbell. And those were all done by the artists that actually drew them for the features. That's amazing. But they're in positions that uh, are rather un-Disney-like. Uh, and I, I recommend to anybody who wants a better look at it, there are actually two versions of it. There's a black light version and there's a, a regular color version. Uh, but, you know, Google it and take a look at it. Cause there's a whole bunch of really cool little bits within the big picture. Maybe I'll just put that on the green screen behind me. There you go. The whole interview will just be right there. I'm sure I won't get a season to from Disney at all on that. Probably not at all. No, no. Their <laughs> lawyers won't instantly find me. They'll help. They'll ask this to be taken down because I suggested it. Be like, no, that doesn't <laughs> exist. This episode can't air. And just for the record, I have never once said that the Walt Disney Corporation is unfair to their employees or litigious. <laughs> Noted. For the record. Noted. I may have implied it, but I was kidding. It's satire, guys. Joking, joking. What 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 people who listen to this read into my comments? That's entirely on them. Mine too. Mine too. That was that was that was not my intention. Never mind either. No 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 no. Please don't sue me. I I'll be homeless. Please don't. I will have to like live in Jimmy's pool house. Ooh, that means I have to build a pool house. <laughs> well, uh, I think if I have to live in it, I probably I have to build it. It will have to be built. Yeah, and there's not a lot of room back there once the, once you get around the pool. It, it will really end up being Slayer's dog shed, <laughs> like old school red dog house. Like, <laughs> although if you do that, the dogs will probably get interested in it. <laughs> well, at least I'll keep you warm in the Vegas winters. That's what they're good for. How are the dogs, anyways? The, the dogs are, are doing pretty well. Um, I think last time we talked, there were there were four of them. Um, unfortunately, they're now two. Oh, uh, well, it, 
it was Libby's time. She was, we didn't think she was going to make the trip to Vegas with us. She was 17 and a half uh, when the end came. And for a boxer mix, that's, that's a really long life. Uh, Clyde was less fortunate. Uh, he had cancer, um, but it was his time and he's not suffering anymore. And, um, but Teddy and, and Bella are doing great. Awesome. Um, Teddy did have a, a, a tumor removed at the very, at the beginning of the pandemic. And if you want to learn how to deal with pandemic, just go through veterinary care. Cause it's, it's like really weird because they, they've got numbered spaces and you pull up and then you call the, the front desk and you tell, okay, I'm here with so-and-so and I'm in space number four and somebody in the hazmat gear comes out and you click the door lock and they open the door and take the dog. And then like 15 minutes later, you get a call from the vet and she explains what the situation is. And so it, it takes a lot of the, the personal aspect of healthcare out of it completely. Uh, it just makes it a kind of a weird experience. Well, that'll probably be the way of the future for actual healthcare too. Uh, I think it's at some point we're just going to drop into pods and like shoot into a thing and come out better. Hopefully, just uh, cover us in goo, and then we'll come out of like look like Keanu in the Matrix when he gets free at first, just covered in slime with tubes coming out of us. It'll be fun. I honestly don't. I never really got into the Matrix. So I, I like vaguely remember watching the first one. I haven't seen the the additional ones. You're not missing anything on the sequels. Don't worry. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's one of those things where, oh, the first one was amazing and great storytelling. And then the second and third one were like, mm, you kind of lost part of what made the first one so special. Okay. Well, because... I guess spoilers for a 15-year-old movie. <laughs> you know, at the end of the first, well, the first Matrix is 21 years old shit. But part two, by the end of part one, he uh, is the one. And then the second one, nothing is really a threat to him. So without that conflict, it's not a good story. It's the same reason I personally am not a fan of Superman stories. Because nothing is ever really a threat to Superman. Good point. I, I've just never really been a big Superman fan because I'm not a big DC fan. Although they, they, some of the stuff they've come out with lately has been better. Uh, I mean, I, I really like Nolan's Batman trilogy. Uh, I thought they, they did a great job with Wonder Woman. Um, a lot of people ripped uh, Suicide Squad, but I thought it was a fun movie. Not brilliant filmmaking by any stretch, but entertaining. And you know, if you if you're looking to just escape for two hours, it's good for that. The, um, the problem, my problem with Suicide Squad is the amount of just jammed in expositional dialogue was just painful at points. Like everyone just exposits all the time and yeah but then shit blows up and you forget that i don't i don't <laughs> i don't i'm like 
Why did you have to explain me to me that this is katana, and when she kills people with her katana, it steals your soul? Like, there's better ways that that could have been shown to us as an audience. It just seems. Yeah. I'm also just hypercritical of movies, so. No, okay. Just a problem. That's fair. It's a problem. Like, I, well, it is. I mean, it's it's what you do, kind of. It, it is. It is. Um, like I'm, I'm probably one of the few people that I know that had beef with Wonder Woman, and I really enjoyed. Okay. I really and that enjoyed, was. I really enjoyed Gal Gadot's performance. I thought her performance was great. Mm-hmm. Like most of the acting was really good. The problem was some of the action set pieces were just stupid. Like, hey, we have a bunch of you know guys invading our island on a boat. We're gonna leave our fortification to ha- fight them hand to hand. Why? Why? Just for this action sequence, you have a walled structure. Yes, because <laughs> smashing with a big rock would be boring. Well, I don't know. The scene in Three Hundred where the Persians blotted out the sky with all their arrows is pretty exciting. Okay. Good point. So there's ways to do it. And then you also, just because it's a movie and how movies are made, spoilers for Wonder Woman if you haven't seen it, the actor who was Ares was not a major reveal because it's like that is too big of an actor for him to be in a bit part like that. So they didn't do a good job of playing with expectations because they just kept interjecting him into the story it's like if he was just a bit a bit a big actor playing a bit part, they wouldn't have kept interjecting him into the story like that. And on top of it, yeah, the third act, which really was my biggest beef with the whole movie, was Wonder Woman has been bred from birth to destroy Ares, and it, Ares is winning the fight until Chris Pine sacrifices himself, and then Wonder Woman gets the strength because her fucking be, you know her man died like. Wonder Woman don't need no man. She should have kicked Ares' ass without that inspiration. Chris Pine fell into the mm. t- typical femme fatale role, and I just felt that like Wonder Woman doesn't need doesn't need a man to be her motivation to you know, accomplish her goals. There, good point. But I- I- is it because he was a, a man, or just because he was another human that she cared about? Uh, I think it was because it was her. Judging by like what they showed. And some of the stingers and trailers for other things were like she was still holding pictures of Chris Pine's character because she, you know, had a thing for him. It came across to me as it was, you know, the love of her life, not just another human. Be- because it, it it was someone she loved, and he, he just happened to be a man. It would have been an, an interesting movie if they'd made it as a lesbian relationship. But the same point would be valid is her motivation because she lost her man or because she lost the, the person that she really cared about. I just feel that character shouldn't have needed that motivation like that. It was just I didn't care for it. I didn't care for that. This strong woman who has been raised from birth for this mission for this particular mission to defeat Ares needed the inspiration of her love interest dying 
to fulfill her destiny. But if, if she doesn't take an inspiration to bring it up another level, it, that makes her just like a machine. Well, her inspiration could have been all her sisters back on the island, her mother, you know, all these other strong women that could have been her inspiration, but instead it was some dick. Some dick that she's been at war with, you know, for, what, maybe a year in the course of the film? I know a lot of girls that will do a lot of stuff for good dick. This is true. This is true. We've probably both seen plenty of girls that have given up whole careers for good dick. Yes. Sadly. But uh, I don't know. Okay, so you you found Wonder Woman flawed. You didn't like Suicide Favorite superhero movie? Uh, favorite superhero movie? There are a lot of flaws in the Marvel movies, but I enjoy them. I, I enjoy them more than the DC offerings, just because tonally they're not quite as dark. And, oh, that was my other beef with Wonder Woman, that it was tonally like a serious war movie but just continue to have silliness in it. Like it, it didn't know exactly what it wanted to be with the Marvel movies. I would have to say I enjoyed the hell out of the first Deadpool. Yes. A movie that by no stretch of the imagination took itself seriously. Right. Exactly. That's the thing. Like fourth wall breaking ridiculous movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. If they had tried to play it seriously, it would have been horrible. Yes. And it's it worries me a little bit that the Deadpool franchise is now under the Disney umbrella. It does. It bothers me as well. It my only hope is that somewhere in there they realize that they've got too much shit to deal with and to just let it keep doing what it's doing. I hope so. I would like to see Disney like be more hands-off on the Deadpool stuff, maybe rein in some of the X-Men stuff, because X-Men has been all over the place in quality levels. I, I really haven't gotten into the X-Men yet. Uh, one of our pandemic projects, because uh, Dee was never a huge Marvel fan, uh, whereas I've seen all of them. So we sat down at the beginning of the pandemic and we watched all the Marvel movies. I couldn't, I couldn't rope her into including the series as well, but we at least got all the movies. Hell yeah. Of the actual like MCU properties, I enjoy the hell out of the original Iron Man. Um, Thor Ragnarok's amazing. My one beef with Ragnarok is actually a tonally thing as well. That, it's an amazing movie if you just look at it in a vacuum. If you look at it that Thor has appeared in a bunch of other movies, the Thor in Ragnarok is not the same character. And then the problem is you go back to no. you go back to Infinity War and Endgame and they tone Thor back down. So it's just really inconsistent as a character for a great film. Yeah, but I, I think it's good that they gave him a a vacation movie. You know, a, a chance to, to not be the Thor that everybody was expecting. Oh, definitely, because, hell, Thor 2 is probably one of the most universally panned movies in the MCU. And hmm. the first Thor really 
only got any decent success because of the casting and I forgot who the director is, but it's like a pretty big director and someone you wouldn't expect doing an MCU film. And even the first Thor is not amazing. Like Thor worked better in the Avengers as part of a team dynamic. Yeah. And then Taika Waititi does Ragnarok, which I love for that movie. I have seen it a bunch of times. I was thrilled and excited the fact that the first time I saw it in theaters, I saw it on Mushrooms. Okay. That was a blast. But for you, which uh, which MCU film sticks out? Uh, the first Guardians. I just I just love the tone of it. It was just a fun movie. Yeah. No, James Gunn did a great a great thing with that, and I was really disappointed that Disney temporarily suspended him from the third one. Well, but that's not really related to his abilities as a director it's some other stuff that hopefully they can get worked out well honestly i feel it was just dumb the guy worked for troma he wrote tromeo and juliet they knew the guy they were hiring to get outraged about his 10 year old tweets when the guy wrote tromeo and juliet you know what kind of guy you hired here you should have been like yep that's James. Ha ha. Like, it'd be one thing if there were actual allegations of misconduct or pedophilia or just instead of just tasteless jokes, because that's all they were. Potentially cost the fans, the cast, and a brilliant director an opportunity to make a great film because of 10-year-old tasteless jokes. I don't, I'm not, I'm not for it. Yeah, I mean, it's... It hit at a time when people were extremely sensitive about things like that. And it was unfortunate. But like I said, hopefully they've gotten things back on track and appropriate apologies were made. They can move on. Definitely. And from all once the pandemic's over, I think they are back, back to working on Guardians Three. And the one nice thing about it is DC scooped him up for Suicide Squad Two, which may make mm-hmm. vast improvements to that movie. Yes, pretty confident that Gunn will not fall into the pitfalls of the things that I didn't like about the first movie, and hopefully keep a lot of the things that were good about it. Uh, Alan Taylor was the director of the the second Thor. Oh really? Which, which is which is interesting because Kenneth Branagh did the first one. right. Kenneth Branagh was who I was thinking of, of kind of saved the first, the first Thor. Yeah. So that's that's a, a very interesting range of directors from Branagh through Alan Taylor to TBOT. Yeah. Uh, you would wouldn't put the three of them together on a first guess. No, and that's why you end up with a very tonally different Thor all throughout. Right. But overall, like the MCU, even if you're not a, even if someone's not a fan of those movies, you have to admire what they've been able to pull off. It's really kind of a first in in the cinematic world, like to to have that many large budget, interlocking movies that, for the most part, keep decent continuity. Yeah, there are some overall continuity flaws between all the movies. It's not just the movies. It's the movies, the series, the web series, 
the little short one-off shorts, all those things weave in together. You know, the, you know, the Phil Coulson character going from Avengers to the very, you know, Captain Marvel to shield to uh, the Nick Fury character. Yeah. I, I mean, just, just the way they weave everything in together is pretty amazing. And now, I mean, you look at, uh, Kat Dennings, who was in First Store yep. as a scientist, yep. she was, is uh, now she was in the second one as well. Uh, yeah, but she—I mean, she made her first appearance in the first one as one of the scientists who was there when Thor came to Earth, and now they brought that same character into WandaVision. It'll be interesting to see where they go with that. The trailer was definitely entertaining, but it does not give a good idea of what the show is really going to be about. Yeah. Very curious to see where that goes. How they... Mm -hmm. I'm curious to see what they do with all these Disney Plus shows. Because I I personally was not a huge fan of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I don't know what... What did you think of it? Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, Some seasons were better than others. Uh, I wasn't nuts about final season um, but the, the Ghost Rider sequence I really liked uh, and the early stuff I really liked and I started getting into the you know their whole version of the Matrix and stuff like that got a little weird that it just unfortunately is the problem with episodic television it's just like well we have an order for so many episodes we gotta fill it with something mm-hmm a lot of shows that I look back on fondly, if I were to rewatch them, like, oh no, there are some garbage episodes where they were just filling their their TV order. Oh yeah, there are very few things where it's just like top to finish. Like this is all amazing. And I'm trying to think what I mean. The only way to really do that are, are on the, on the more anthology type shit, like Twilight Zone, where you, you're not where each episode stands on its own and tells its own story. It's, it's when you have to keep coming up with, you know, six seasons of story arc that you run into trouble. Oh, definitely. I mean, this is actually the same problem you run into in actual comic books. How do you keep it interesting and compelling when you've been telling stories about this character for 50, 60 years? This is why you see low and high points in comic books. You know, comics, even with Maestids like Spider-Man or the Avengers, because it's just like, um, crap, we've explored all this stuff. Now we just have to retcon in things that we never foreshadowed because no one had ever come up with it. And we'll do a story arc this way. And sometimes it works. Sometimes it's really convoluted. And this is why I, in a lot of cases, prefer film, you know, an encapsulated story to something that is just an overarching season especially if it's something that is intending to go until the ratings go down yeah like things like the wire which is in my opinion still one of the greatest television shows ever made oh yes david simon but the interesting thing, thing about the wire is that well it's it's got a a few central characters that kind of bind it each season was its own arc. 
And it was, it was the police department. It was the docks. It was, you know, they, they came up with stories that involve the same characters, but each one was kind of its own little capsule. Yep. And I, I think that's part of what made the show so strong. And the fact that Baltimore was essentially a character in the show. Oh, definitely. I mean, and, and David Simon has come out and flat out said that it's that, you know, Baltimore was the main character of the show. It wasn't Dominic West's character or, you know, the corner boy or whoever it was. It was the city of Baltimore. And that's why you have like the amazing spoilers. If you've never seen the wire, if you've never seen the wire, please turn this off and go start watching it. Come back to this. But yes. <laughs> the wire, it just in and of itself is worth the subscription to HBO, whatever they're calling it. Because it, it was HBO go HBO. Now I, I'm not sure what, the current HBO app-based streaming service is, but it's worth the subscription just for the wire. 100%. 100%. Just the performances, the writing, all of it is so good. The fact that like things that happened in earlier seasons come the continuity that they negatively affect characters later on the fact that they were willing to kill off one of the biggest characters on the show in the last season, the fact that they killed Omar and they killed Omar yeah. in just, there was no grand, you know, departure for Omar. He's, you know, he's just buying a pack of smokes and is assassinated. It's great storytelling. It was a great end for that character. And yeah, no, I mean, it- I mean, David Simon is one of the best storytellers in TV. 100%. Did you see uh, The Plot Against America, the miniseries they did on HBO? I I have not seen that one. It's also written by David Simon. It's an alternative history where Lindbergh wins the presidency instead of Roosevelt. Oh, okay. And the main characters are a Jewish family that are dealing with, you know, the rise of anti-Semitism because of Lindbergh's win. Interesting. It was a... So kind of Man in the High Castle-esque, but not quite as alternative university? Yeah, like, we don't... The U.S. doesn't enter World War II in this alternative. Okay. And, you know, they start basically trying to relocate Jewish families to... Other parts of less desirable parts of the country, as part of it. Hmm. It's a six-part miniseries. It was done by David Simon. It's amazingly well done. I will have to check that one out. I enjoyed the hell out of it. it, it I was, I was bummed to see that it was only a six-parter, but the six parts are so good. I mean, to be honest, I kind of like short series. I, I like a series that leaves me wanting another episode or another season. I don't like a series where it's where they overstay their welcome. Where they, they take it just, you know, a couple episodes or an extra season longer than they should. I agree. I agree. A, a really well-produced 
series should leave you. I mean, it, it should leave you with a bunch of unanswered questions, but it it should leave you wanting to see more of the world that they created. I agree. Um, right now, I I don't know if you ever watched Archer. No. Okay. Archer is one of my favorite cartoons. It's really well done. Okay. Great, great pop culture references. Like it's real. It's Sean Benjamin does. I've heard very good things about it. I just it's one of those. There's just too much TV out there to watch all of it. I agree. And I just haven't gotten to it. Well, season six, they at the end of it, Archer ends up in a coma. And they did some really interesting okay. storytelling for the following, the next four seasons. They put Archer in different scenarios. There was one season where he was in like a French Caribbean island as a pilot. There was one season where he was in like a film noir setting as a detective. There was one season where sci-fi and they're in space. These are all things hmm. while Archer's in a coma. And Season 11, at the end of season 10, he woke up, and so far, they're two episodes deep into season 11 where he's back in the real world, and I find it lacking. Okay. I feel like they've overstayed their welcome at this point. <laughs> Unless they really turn around this season, it just, the original Archer setting seems almost tired. Okay. So, I'm hoping. I will have to, uh, I will have to check it out. It's all, it's all on Hulu. At, at, least, the, at least the first 10 series. Yeah. Or the first 10 seasons. They're only two episodes deep on the 11th season. They could definitely turn it around still. And not not that there aren't... Hopefully one of the writers watches the podcast and says, hey, guys, we're, we're slipping. We got to step this <laughs> up. <laughs> Matt Slayer talks shit about Archer. We got to step it up. If I only had that kind of influence not in Hollywood. Shit. It's, constructive, it's constructive criticism. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not just, fuck you, Archer! <laughs> no no is it's a little more redefined but besides watching all the marvel stuff in the pandemic what else have you guys been watching uh we we did all the marvel movies then we did all the star wars movies with the star wars movies with the star wars movies did you watch them in release order sequential order or did you do the there's like a suggested list of what order to watch everything in both lists we watched in chronological order. Okay. So with Marvel, you started with Captain America, then went to Captain Marvel, probably? You're doing it chronologically? Oh, all right. Maybe it wasn't chronologically. Anyway, it was a suggested list of, of the order to watch stuff in. Nice. I'm trying to remember when, where... Uh, Captain America or Captain Marvel hit that list, but the, they like worked in all the series as well. So you, it's like you would watch this and this, and then you would watch you know the first twelve episodes of this series. You still with me? You seem a little uh, frozen there. Uh, it's telling me my internet connection is unstable. Yeah. Which okay, I don't know how that is, but. Am I good now? Oh, uh, yeah, you seem to be moving uh, more naturally now. It, it was hard to tell whether you were just frozen or just pausing for a moment of deep thought. I don't do deep thought, so that wasn't it. 
Okay. I was, I was starting to give you an out there. Oh, I don't want those. But okay, <laughs> it kind of pulls me out with the Marvel stuff that Kevin Feige had such a beef with the Netflix stuff that the Netflix stuff wasn't integrated well into the MCU. Yeah, there were casual references to it, but it wasn't really a part of. Although, in a way, it, it was okay because the Netflix stuff worked within its own little bubble. And it's it's kind of the same as, as you know you know the X Men slash Deadpool grouping. Yeah, you know they're in they're in their own circle, and, and now that everybody's under the Disney umbrella, and there's Disney Plus. I'm sure the integration will get a little better, but I mean you you were dealing with basically three separate bubbles. Yeah, I mean, technically four, because even though Fox owned the Fantastic Four, they didn't integrate them with the X-Men. True. Yeah, so the, the list I was working on was, was Captain America, uh, Agent Carter. Oh, yeah. Agent Carter. Okay. Uh, Iron Man, Credible Hulk, Iron Man 2, uh, uh, The Consultant, and The Funny Thing Happened on the Way to Thor's Hammer, which are two of their shorts. Uh, if you haven't seen the Marvel shorts, they're really good. I uh, need to rewatch them. Just, it's been a while. And they just, they basically just pick up like one thought and, and take it from beginning to end and boom. So it's, it's a five minute thought. Nice. Um, let's see Thor Avengers item 47, which is another short Iron Man three, all hail the King, another short, uh, Shield, uh, season one, one through seven, Thor Dark World, Shield one, eight through 16, Winter Soldier, uh, the rest of season one of Shield, Guardians, season two of Shield, Guardians two, Daredevil one, Avengers, uh, Agents of Shield, season two, the last three episodes. Uh, which I guess take place after Ultron. Uh, the the news front with Christine Everhart, which kind of interview is it's almost like a wrap up interview of the of the Avengers series, which was kind of interesting. Uh, basically, using the fake reporter and news channel they created for all of the, and it also sets up Ant Man. Next, then Jessica Jones, More Shield, Daredevil 2, More Shield, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, More Newsfront, Civil War, uh, Cloak and Dagger, which I haven't seen yet. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen Cloak and Dagger either. Uh, probably get that. More Shield, Black Panther, More Shield, uh, Defenders, Runaways, Punisher. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, Inhumans, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Doctor Strange, Runaways, Iron Fist, Daredevil, Ant-Man and Wasp, Captain Marvel, Ragnarok, Infinity War, Endgame, and Far From Home. It's a weird placement for Captain Marvel since that takes place in, like, in the 90s. Good point. I'm not sure why. I, I don't know who came up with this list or why they did it the way they did it, but be curious to know why they put Captain Marvel so deep. 
Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. You definitely have to have her there before Infinity War because because of the stinger in Infinity War. But right. chronologically, that movie takes place in like the mid '90s. So, mm-hmm. and, unless there's too much Coulson and Fury in it to really be that early. Would you be sitting there going, who are these guys and why are they doing the things they're doing? Maybe, maybe. But I mean, they, they explain who Nick Fury, like they give a little bit more Nick Fury backstory in that. Yeah. I'm still annoyed that Nick Fury lost his eye in that movie, but eh, whatever. I knew they had to shoehorn that in. Yeah. It's one of those things where, as, as I said earlier in the show, it's impressive. It's so impressive that they've been able to do all this. Yeah, that they can weave all that content together into a somewhat cohesive universe. Yeah. With how many writers, how many directors, how many contract negotiations had to go into like keeping some of these people on board? Well, it, it, it's just things like you know the, the actors they brought in for a minute and a half just because it's crucial to keeping the universe on track. Yeah. And they did, they just got some really big names in like minor roles. Kat Denning is not a small actress. So yeah. She's not huge on film, but she's a pro, fairly prolific TV actress. She does. Yeah. yeah. You got people like Natalie Portman who have been in multiple Marvel movies. Yeah. Uh, Michael Douglas. Yeah. Not a, a small actor. Uh, Anthony so Hopkins. Stallone. Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. You could argue that Anthony Hopkins was a, a fairly minor role oh, yeah. in the Thor sequence. Uh, but yet, it was Anthony Hopkins. Exactly. Hell, uh, Idris Elba has a fairly small part in the whole thing. And he's an amazing actor. And Yeah. Speaking of The Wire. <laughs> exactly. The casting that they have managed to pull off throughout. Hell, Josh Brolin, who they eventually got as Thanos. Like, Josh Brolin's been around forever. Josh Brolin was in mm-hmm. The Goonies. He was in The Goonies. <laughs> yeah, it, it's... um, And then, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. You know, a very strong, established actor. And playing a lead role. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, Robert Downey Jr. is pretty bankable these days, but when they picked him up for Iron Man 1, he was still, his career was still rebounding at that point. He was, he was, yeah, he was like coming out of rehab for the fourth time or. Yeah, not far off. I mean, the only thing he had really done of any real note in recent memory before the original Iron Man was like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which if you've never seen that, that movie's amazing. Mm-hmm. Have, yeah. Have you? Uh, it's been a while, but yes. I have friends who were, you know, at the time, not even fans of Robert Downey Jr. who were like, that movie was great. It was Shane Black at the height of his powers. And it'll be interesting to see what they do with Phase 4, how the pandemic affects ongoing production. It's bound to happen at some point, but I'm hoping that the bubble doesn't burst soon. Because there, yeah. there was one point where westerns were all the rage in cinema. There were westerns being made all the time. When was the last time a western was really made? 
Yeah, but it, I mean, if if you look at you know the, the Marvel universe, they've they hit on different genres in there too. Definitely. They have rom coms. They have westerns. They have action. They have buddy movies. They have action movies. They have and the the, the tone and and genre of of all these different movies is kind of different. But it it still has some similarities to it's a Marvel movie. It, the dialogue is still yeah. going to be very quippy. It's going to be, even in darker moments, it's still going to be not as tonally dark as like the DC movies. Even at the po- end of Infinity War, where Thanos kills half the mm-hmm. universe, and everyone dusts, and that was a very somber moment. It still wasn't nearly as dark as some of the tonal stuff from like Batman versus Superman or other DC yeah. movies. They just didn't score it that way. They didn't light it that way yeah they definitely are doing some different genres um the next doctor strange movie i believe is supposed to be a horror movie i i mean that that one should be good i'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do finally with uh oh uh one's supposed to come out this fall or was supposed to come out last or the spring and didn't come out now i'm drawing a complete blank on it um, Marvel wise, I don't know. Black Widow. Oh yeah, Black Widow. And that'll that'll be interesting too. And that's a that's a long time coming. I don't know how they waited this long to give her her own movie. I don't think it just worked into the universe yet. I mean, you've got so many characters that you know some of them have to wait their turn. Yeah, but I would have much rather seen a Black Widow movie than Ant Man and the Wasp. And Man of the Wasp really just seemed like a filler movie to get us to get us to Infinity War. Mm, a little bit. It's okay though. I mean, it's, but the other, you know, yeah. I think ha- having two or three of them come out a year, you know, it'll be nice to get back on that schedule. Uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing almost anything in a the theater again. I don't know. Well, here you can actually you can rent theaters, and they're not that expensive. Not in my budget. <laughs> Not in my budget at the moment. There's something to be said, especially in the times that we're living in now, about just going to the theater. Because I don't know about yeah. you, I have to be really engrossed in what I'm consuming on my television, on my couch, to not pick up my phone at some point during the, what I'm watching. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm not an asshole. Well, I'm not an asshole in that respect. <laughs> I won't touch my phone when I'm in the theater. Not going to say anything. <laughs> yeah. Your laugh said it all. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to be in, engaged in what I'm watching in the theater. I'm not going to touch my phone. I'm going to be. Right. I'm going to consume it. And just, you add that in with this, the, the whole theater experience, and I miss it. I miss it so much. Mm hmm. Between that and live music is probably what I miss the most out of pandemic time and bars. I miss bars. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we had tickets to see, uh, Daltrey and Townsend. I, I can't call them the who because it's only half the who. Would that make it the who? <laughs> uh, but, but they were playing Caesar's palace, uh, in May and that went south. So, 
I don't know if that, that concert is ever going to come back. Just because you, you look at the, the age of the performers and Yeah. The, there, I'm sure there are plenty of other concerts that went like that too. Like um I know Ozzy Osbourne canceled his tour that was late last year and it was supposed to We we had tickets for Ozzy too and that one canceled. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh by the time this pandemic's over and it's safe to go back out into the world, will Ozzy be able to tour? It's uh, although we, we have we have been to one concert since the pandemic. We, it was a, a drive-in concert, which was kind of fun. So, I mean, maybe that's where we're headed with these things. Maybe, maybe. I know some friends of mine went to a drive-in Metallica concert not too long ago. So. Uh, we, we saw Blake Shelton at a drive-in, which is interesting because Blake, we saw Blake at the Forum as the last concert before the lockdown. Oh, wow. So kind of bookended that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we thought about Metallica. I, don't, I just don't know about a metal, metal concert in my car. I mean, country plays much better to the, you know, pull up the truck, put down the, the tailgate, and crack open a beer and w- watch the concert, then kind of headbang metal. Yeah, yeah, like, if I'm hearing headbang metal, I want to be moving. I want to be in motion. I can't. Yeah. Well, a lot of my speeding tickets in life have happened during <laughs> some metal being played in the car. It's like, oh, I just want to go. <laughs> but I'm curious. What are you most looking forward to Like when life gets back to normal? Just hanging around people. Just doing stuff. Whereas now it's it's like okay, do we want to do something? Well, we have to get tested and then we have to do this and everybody wear their mask and there you go. Just being able to like just be around people as people. I'm hoping we get back to that. I'm not confident we're going to anytime soon. I think it's going to be a little while, but I think we will at some point. Uh, I'm sure we will at some point, but I just see people being irresponsible all the time. Yes. And every time I see someone being irresponsible, it's like, well, that's probably another three to six months that I'm stuck in my apartment. For me, I really want to travel internationally again. I want to go back out and see the world some more. That's the thing. I, I don't think I'm going to be getting on a plane for quite some time. And it's, it's not just being on the plane. It's just the whole everything involved in travel. You know, planes and airports and Ubers and hotels and strange cities and stuff like that. Uh, but being able to, to be with people locally, I think is going to hopefully come back. I'm hoping so. In I'm, a couple of months. Uh, I, you are much more optimistic than I am about that. I don't think it's going to be a couple months. I'd, I'm thinking maybe this time next year, 2021. Like, uh, well, the other thing too is strangers or people you know. I've spent some time with some people I know, like one-on-one, maybe, you know, two or three of us. Yeah. But, and that's just a minimal risk. And the way I look at it is like, if I happen to get sick in that situation, I'm not negatively affecting anyone but myself. I want to meet strangers again. I want to meet new people. I want to drink in public. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to doing this show in person. Shit. Plus side is I get to have people on that I wouldn't necessarily get to have on since you're in Vegas these days. Like, 
Yeah, we would have had to wait till like mm-hmm. we were randomly in LA or I was randomly in Vegas to do this instead of how we are. Yeah, I mean, you had me on, you had Xander on, you had. Yeah, yeah, the show's still getting done. It's it's not quite the same. It's just you know that's how life is now. Life is no. just not quite the same. Yeah, and, and I'm sure you're looking forward to the ability to actually make that feature you were talking about, like. Yeah, or just do bigger scenes and with more people and you know bring in people from LA and or go go back to because that was right before the lockdown. Yeah, like I said, we went to Blake's concert at the Forum, but as part of that trip, we went back to our old studio and shot a bunch of our old our LA friends. Nice. And just being able to go and you know camp out at the studio for a week and and shoot the LA people again. Yeah, will be a nice thing to get back to. It would be amazing. With the feature, is it all mapped out? Like, is, like the minute the budget's there and things open back up, is it going to... No. No? Still working? <laughs> uh, G's got some ideas. It's her. She's more the feature person than I am. Uh, but she's got some things in mind. Uh, but as far as, like, actual you know, 30-page script sitting on the table here next to us? No, not yet. Not yet. And you know, a lot of it, too, is is who we end up putting in it. Because, I mean, the stuff we shoot, a lot of what actually gets shot comes from the people we're shooting. You know, their, their interests, their personalities, their likes and dislikes. That makes perfect sense. You know, what their comfort levels are and... Mm-hmm. Well, not even that. It's just the, the things that they, they really enjoy doing, uh, you know, the people that they connect with and the way they connect with them. So, I mean, you, so much of what's shot in our industry is just, okay, a director sitting there and going, all right, we're going to pick, you know, this male performer, this female performer, we're going to put them together and they're going to they're gonna do a scene. And yeah, a lot of those scenes, because everybody's a professional, turn out okay. But when you start to talk to people, it's like, all right, who do you really want to work with? You know, what kind of scene do you want it to be? What do you want in it? What would you prefer not be in it? Not what you don't want to do, but like just the, if, if you don't have to do it, you really would prefer it not be there. Yeah. Get that real chemistry. Mm -hmm. Because in my opinion, that, you can get amazing chemistry between two people that want to work with each other. It takes like the top of the top tier performers to get amazing chemistry out of people they don't necessarily want to be there with. So why not try to create it with people that actually want to be there? And, and I mean, sometimes you, you do get lucky and you know, you'll get two people who've never worked with work together before and they just, they just click, but that's a roll of the dice. Yeah. It's much better to be able to say, okay, these people we know are going to be fantastic together. Especially since you guys are financing your own film. Why take a risk? Right. Exactly. Yeah. It'd be one thing if like, Oh, Hey, Gamma is bankrolling this. We could take a risk with this. Those two people are hot. Let's see what they look like together. Yeah. <laughs> when it's coming out of your own pocket, you're 100%. I'm right there with you. Like, no, no, no. We want two people that are going to be great together. You know, correct me if I'm wrong. That's, that's how I'd see it. No, you you pretty much got it. 
it, it's yeah, it's, it's one thing for, for the gammas and the, the mind geeks of the world to you know, throw it into the algorithm and say, okay, this is what we want to do. It's completely different when you're actually humans looking at humans and going, I'm going to take a chance on this, or I see this in this, you know, in these people and, and think that we're going to be able to, you know, bring that out on camera. And you guys generally do. I mean, the, the, you guys make great product. Well, thank you. I'm sorry. We beat you at best comedy at 2018. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind losing to friends. If you guys had one, I wouldn't have made an ass of myself in front of the whole industry. So, <laughs> and that's going to be another interesting thing when we can actually go back to having award shows and conventions too. Yeah. I mean, I think award shows might come back before conventions. Um, but it's, I mean, just looking at this year's awards and the categories and, the things they've dropped and the things that, you know, like, well, who was able to actually shoot that? You know, given the limited time frame, and cause, I mean, pretty much, you know, for people that don't know our industry that well, um, the deadline for an award awards is sep- September 30th to September 30th. Yep. Um, but once you know October is kind of a relaxed month because you've just worked so hard to get everything done for September. Um, November is kind of busy, um, but then December with the holidays, everybody kind of shuts down halfway through the month. Uh, January with the two major conventions and award shows, everybody shuts down for two weeks in the middle of the month. Which means you don't really ramp up your production full scale until February. Yep. And you look at this year, you had February and then middle of March, the lockdown came. You know, depending on where you actually are, somewhere in that March 1st to March 21st range, depending on what your governor was seeing and how aggressive they were being with it. Um, but then, you know, since then we really haven't been able to shoot the way we used to shoot, which means this year's awards are more or less based on like mid October to Thanksgiving and mid, you know, last week in January through early March. So you've got about two, two and a half months of content. Yeah, and or potentially something that was done before deadline last year that a studio might not have thought it was good enough to put out in time, and they're just like, eh, right. well, we can put it out now. The competition's slim this year. Mm-hmm. But it's still real slim pickings. It's going to be an interesting thing. I They are doing a virtual award show for 2021, right? Both of them have said they're going to do virtual awards. Uh, I don't know what the AE is going to be like this year. Uh, we did participate in the Expo Miami show virtually. It was, I mean, for the, the seminars, it it kind of works. 
what you lose is just those casual bumping into people waiting for the elevator, you know, bumping into people standing next to you at the bar waiting for the bartender to come to your end, waiting for the, the valet to bring the cars up. You know, those casual meetings aren't happening. And it's... That's, that's the magic of those conventions. That's, like, really why to yeah. be there. Like... Yeah, I mean that's that's the big business. Yeah. I mean, no nobody comes to a convention to do a specific deal because if you're going to do a specific deal, you can do it outside of the convention environment. It's <laughs> those those unexpected hookups where you, say, you do what? Yeah, that sounds kind of interesting. How does that work with this? And you find out how that works with this. And Hey, maybe we should give that a try. Yeah. Especially with people not all being in LA or Vegas. Like, you get people, performers that live in other parts of the country. Like, you get a choose mm-hmm. from a friend of a friend, and all of a sudden you're you know, doing things with someone that you weren't even aware of before the convention. Yeah. And I mean, that's the, the thing we love about the AE Expo in, in Vegas is because there's so many performers there for that one. And living in LA and now living in Vegas, you get a lot of people that come through town at some point during the year. Um, but the convention was a good chance just to meet those people in person. Because, I mean, a lot of people don't look like their photos. They don't, you know, you don't know what they sound like, how they interact with people, what their personality is. But being able to meet them in person, you know, see that, yeah, they're the one that's always showing up for their signings on time, prepared, so always smiling at the fans. Always, yeah, always, you know, you know, being nice to, to people and not snapping, you know, not treating the the agent's assistant like their personal, you know, valet. You know, saying please and thank you. You know, able to put together an outfit on their own that looks fashionable and stuff like that you you don't get through pictures and you know screenshots and you know checking them out on you know on on various websites and stuff oh you get that in person i agree hell i can attest to a lot of times i will dive into especially if it's guest who hasn't been on before i'll try dive into their socials to try to see some things that they might be into besides porn and a lot of times performers socials is not a good gauge of who they are in any way, shape or form. No. Uh, It's a good indication of the negatives. It's not always a good indication of the positives. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Because if there's someone with a short temper, who's going to blow up on people, who's going to turn on people, who's going to, you know, attack people or be rude that's going to come out in social media. But if you don't really, if they've got interests and, you know, personality aspects that are kind of private to them, you don't see those online. You see those in person. Hell, even some of the public ones that they just don't feel it's part of their brand and just don't advertise it on their socials. Like, Exactly. There's so many performers out there that, like, you get... As you said, just the negatives. Like, if they have negatives, and if they don't have blaring negatives, all you see is just, like, content. Content. 
mm-hmm. content. Like, are it's like I'd like to know. I get it. Somebody subscribe to your OnlyFans. But what do you like to do on a Friday? Right. Music, something, you know. Mm-hmm. But th- that's also half the fun of the show is getting drunk with people and trying to figure that stuff out. Oh shit! You know, I had a guest on recently who's like a pretty big cinephile. It's like, oh wow, had no clue from your socials that you were into movies at all, and you know, you go down that rabbit mm-hmm. hole. Yeah, or like musical interests, or you know, just general life influences. Yeah. That they don't, it's it's something that they either want to keep private or they don't feel the fans will be interested in or appreciate. Yeah, that it's... it's and, not- and we, we, we get it a lot being a fetish company. It's, it's like, you know, you meet people in person, it's like, yeah, I don't do it a lot on camera, but I'm actually into, you know, these fetishes. And it's like, oh, well, why don't you do it on camera? Well, nobody really asked me to do it. Nobody shoots it, or nobody shoots it the way I think it should be shot. Especially if it's a performer who has a certain look, like you know, some blonde girl next door may never get booked unless you know, you happen to run into her and find these things out. Because her agent may not even be trying to send her out on go sees for a fetish company. Well, I mean, and we run into it a lot. With, I mean, the big ones is Peggy. It's like they they've got to present this, you know, girl next door you know, boy girl image and everything. And, you know, nobody really books them to, you know, fuck guys in the ass because it's not the image that they're presenting most of the time, but it's something that they either do in their private life that have never gotten a chance to do on camera or just, you know, don't get that many opportunities to do on camera. Plus a lot of people don't shoot it too. I mean, the the big companies, aren't doing you know, a lot a whole lot of pegging and foot fetish and bondage and do you have any other like fun upcoming scenes coming out like oh uh, not really uh, I mean with with our company severe sex films uh, website severesexfilms.com our loyal fans severe sex films uh, we like I said Perversion Punishment series, uh, releasing 16, 17 in that series, followed by an, a Fetish Star Showcase with Laura Jensen. Uh, shortly after that will be Stepdad Gets Buck number three, which could be a good one. And then I'm uh, not sure where we're going beyond that. Awesome. I'm sure it will be spectacular when you guys decide what you're going to go with next. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of it is just you know seeing how the year goes and how how everything is with everybody and how many more people we can bring in and what it makes sense to shoot safely and yeah, and who's still around? Unfortunately, there are some performers that are using this as their time to like you know what I'm going to explore other things. I'm getting out of the industry. I know. I I know a couple of performers that are going back to school. I know some that are stepping away from company shoots and just doing, you know, OnlyFans and and their own thing, Uh, not working with other people or just working with a very select group of other people. So we'll we'll see how it goes. Yeah, it's going to be 
a very interesting time for the whole industry once this is over to see what yes. what companies survive, who's even willing to shoot for companies anymore, who's even still around. And and what you know, where are these platforms end when it's all over? Yeah. I've I've talked about this on previous episodes, but it's like OnlyFans is great in theory. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of potentials for abuse because what sort of transparency do performers have for auditing their you know, auditing their sales, auditing, making sure that they're getting their full cut. Right. I think it's the same with, with any platform. It, it is, but the, we're dealing with people that primarily up until this point were getting paid up front and then not having to deal about right. back-end payment. I mean, it, in, unless you're like making your own DVDs and mailing them out yourself, you know, with any of the, the VOD, the tube site, the, the clip sites, you know, you, there has to be a certain amount of trust the numbers are given you or the actual numbers. Yeah, I know it, it's, it's just also, and I'm not saying that, and there is any wrongdoing. I'm not even alleging there's any wrongdoing. I'm just saying there's the no. potential there that there could be at some point from, there may be a re- less reputable competitor that comes around. You never know. Mm-hmm. And it's part of the problem with just signing a TOS instead of actually signing contracts with people. But this is the way that the world that is, the industry's going. This is the way it's going. It's just, it would be a goddamn, well, hell, we even saw it with the Bella Thorne thing, like little changes to how they operate negatively affect them. have huge implications. Huge implications. And the problem is because performers don't actually have real contracts with the OnlyFans, they have a TOS that they agree to. OnlyFans can modify right. that at will. If performers had real contracts with these platforms, you can't just pay, change my pay structure at will. So I'm hoping if the industry continues, which it looks like it will, to continue to go to platforms, the performers exert their powers because these platforms don't exist without the performers. And, you know, exert some sort of power, some sort of control where these platforms don't get to dictate to them their terms. It'd be nice. Right. Yeah. I mean, whether it happens... I mean, I think I think the big and OnlyFans is the, the the big one at the moment. How much they rely on the adult performer versus the world in, in general, yeah, and how much they want to rely on the adult industry versus the world in general. Well, and that's another thing that we always have to worry about is they yeah. started off embracing adult performers. Patreon was very adult friendly for quite some time too. Mm-hmm. And if you post an erect penis on fucking Patreon now, you will get your Patreon snatched from you so quickly. You know, it's artistic nudes only. It would be a goddamn so shame. If I, if I paint my erect penis, then it's okay? Yeah. That's fine. Alright. Yeah. Good to know. I'd hate to see so many performers or so many people that are getting into sex work Potentially screwed by all their eggs are in the OnlyFans basket. Right. Or any other platform that unfortunately sees the workers who are provide the content as numbers, as monetary devices, not as individual people, unless they make real big money. Well, 
They, they see them as replaceable. Oh, yeah. And it's, uh, to a certain degree, it's it, it's the same in the in the studio production sure. side of things. So, you know, for the big features with where they need name talent with specific skills, yes, they they need certain people. But if it's, you know, I saw my daughter get fucked 14, you know, the the girls are somewhat interchangeable. Oh, yeah. And if, if if girl A doesn't want to do it, girl B probably will. And if, if girl B doesn't work out, they can get girl C. True. And, you can- and it's, I think it's the same with, with OnlyFans. They're, they deal more with volume and just keeping the cup full than they do with actual individuals. This is very true. This is very true. I mean, it's just kind of kind of a pipe dream on my part, really. I know in the real world, the likelihood of them at girls getting individual contracts, unless they're a really big name, is pretty low. And it's just like, you can attest to this as someone who is a studio. You guys, unless mm-hmm. you have someone specifically in mind, I'm sure you just set a budget on how much you want to pay for this part. Uh, I mean, because we're a small studio, because the type of content we shoot, it, most stuff is tied to we have someone in mind before. Um, but there have been instances where, you know, it's just, we just need this and any, of this will work. If you go to a bigger studio, I'm sure it is even more. So it's the nature of the beast. I know, but you know, I hope that as things go forward, at least, yeah, you know, no one ends up destitute because something gets changed. Yeah. There's some wild, absolute change to a platform that would but if that happens someday i'm sure the industry will adapt again because that is one thing this industry always does that's what we do we adapt but on that note on the adaptation to me i think i'm going to get you out of here i think we're going to call the last call okay well yeah we're yeah we're we're empty i am empty as well i have a little taste left Uh, to tell everyone again where they can find all the films find you on the socials uh, on the social, it's Fetish Director on Twitter. I am not personally on Facebook, Instagram, or any of those other things. So if you see someone imitating me, please smack them on the head. Uh, our big thing right now, uh, because fan interaction is the way of the future, we are severe sex films on loyal fans. Not only fans, loyal fans. Uh, a much... A better platform for sex workers. They are built by people within our industry uh, who have done stuff for adult. Uh, so the odds of the adult performers getting shut out of there are very slim uh, and their restrictions are much less. So you can see all sorts of really cool, interesting fetishy type stuff there. Uh we have severesexfilms.com, our membership website. We are on all the VOD platforms. Uh, we are on clips for sale and various places. Uh, and that's where we are. Hell yeah. Thank you, for, my friend. It's always a pleasure having you on. We got to not yes, do it. Yes, it is. It's, it had been far too long. Let's not wait another two and a half years or so until we do it again. I agree. As long as I'm still alive. That's pretty much the, the rule for all of us. <laughs> Pretty much. 
So as always, you can right. find me at Matt underscore Slayer on Twitter, Matt Slayer on Instagram, Matt F and Slayer on Facebook. You can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Matt F and Slayer. You can find the podcast at And Now We Drink on Twitter, And Now We Drink underscore on Instagram. And until next week, drink up, motherfuckers. Motherfuckers.